I can't let down burden yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, why? This is a really so good mic. So you don't want to. Uh, no. This one feels like a weapon in the way. Do you know if your friends are turning up? No friends? <laughs> Surely not. Ah, uh, did you all know it's at 6.30? No excuse. No, the, the reason why it's 6.30 is because we, are, we have two things to do. First, it's going to be a long lecture. Long. Four parts. The entire Dhamma summarised in four parts. So it's a long lecture. Switch on, right? Switch on? And then uh, we are going to, if you wish to collect, don't feel obliged to. But if you wish to collect, we're going to launch a book, the reprint of Between the Lines, and it should be available there. <laughs> kind of vague direction, you know, there. Okay, I will do that later. Now we focus on the Dhamma. You know, uh, I, I prepared for this talk many weeks ago. Wrote along. Well, part of the reason why I'm just going on and on and rambling on and on is because we're just buying a bit of time, just a little bit of time for others to join us. Okay? And while we, I mean, where, while we are here, you look at me, I look at you, I might as well say something. Lah. So I'm entertaining you with some background information on, on the preparation of this tonight's talk. I wrote this some time back, like many weeks ago, and I wrote it in Myanmar. Okay? And then I realized that I forgot what I wrote because it's many weeks later. So a few... Okay. Uh, please kindly turn off <laughs> Yes, may I request, may I plead, <laughs> appeal to you to turn your handphone to silent mode. Eh? We don't want the Dhamma to be interrupted by modern technology. Okay? Deepachi, There are four parts to tonight's talk. Four parts. The first part, which I call part A, and I forgot what was part A, and I can't see the part A. Ah, purpose, I'm going to explain what was the, the key purpose, what is the key purpose of the Buddha's Dhamma. That's part A. Part B, in order that you can understand the Dhamma, what must you do? Part C, seeing things as they are, how do you do it? What are they? And then part D, the gradual path to Nibbana. Don't worry, when the slides come on, you will see, where's the slide? That's me, <laughs> not slide. <laughs> ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just in case, huh? How do we bring slide there? 
Wait, wait, I think I think this is how you do it. Okay, ah. Uh? Oh, okay, don't touch anything. Is that correct? Sibyang, is that? Does it look okay? This side is okay. Okay, partial view of the dama. Okay. <laughs> See, you now understand why we have to start early to fix all these technical issues. Entertainment right now. Okay. Uh, let me just do a preamble. For many of us, for many of us, for most of us actually, when we first set out on this Dhamma journey, <laughs> we scramble onto the path. <laughs> for most of us, when we first set out on this Dhamma journey, you think of the word Dhamma and you will get confused. I mean, you know, if I ask you, and which I did, I asked someone earlier, what is Dhamma? What is Dhamma? And then you see this deer in the headlight look, frozen in, in fright, right? Oops, what do I say? Let me ask you, what is Dhamma? You have attended Basic Buddhism Course 1. Some of you attended Basic Buddhism Course 2, right? So what is the Ma? How many deers are there here? <laughs> and suddenly you go, hmm, the teaching of the Buddha. Well, not bad. What's the teaching of the Buddha then? And then, hmm, another long one. So when you first set out, when you first set out, that's, that's the kind of reaction you give to a question with the ma. What is the ma? That's the kind of reaction you will give. This is baffling thing, you know, just confused, not sure. So what do you do? For many of us, we will attend talks. Yeah? Attend talks, read online, buy books, take classes. Ah, okay, that one quiet already. <laughs> Some of us here would have signed up for systematic study, whether it's under a monk or in some institution. Yes? Yes? Hello? Yes. Yeah. If you didn't, uh, don't say it here so loudly, okay? <laughs> okay, so you will go for these things, right? How many of you have gone for the range of Dhamma learning activities? How many of you? Those who have gone for Dhamma learning activities, attend talks, read books, check online, all of you, right? Now I ask you this question, what is Dhamma? <laughs> chuckle, chuckle, giggle, giggle. Still like that. Attended classes, gone for lectures, take exam, pass and score A, and still blur. One simple question, what is Dhamma? Wow, chimle, a lot of things to say, you know. What we're going to do tonight is to hopefully, uh, hopefully, this is my ambitious aspiration, okay? This ambitious aspiration is to explain the Dhamma with such clarity 
that at the end of which you will go out and when someone say what is Dhamma, you will spill with confidence. Okay? So at the end of this talk, I will ask you, score 1 to 10. 1 being, I wish I never came. 10 being, got it. Huh? We will see what's your score. Everybody better have a number, okay? This is my question, the score is at the end, so pay attention. I say so much really. Four parts. Tonight, the talk will cover these four parts. What is the Dhamma? Second, why and how to see things as they are. I will explain and you will know then, you will know why it's sequenced this way. Third, what do we mean by things as they are? And fourth, the gradual path to Nibbana. Bear in mind these four parts. You lose the four parts, you can't follow the lecture. Okay? Can I memorize? What is Dhamma? Why and how to see things as they are? Things as they are. Because we always hear this phrase, right? Yatha Buddha. Things as they are. What are they? And fourth, the gradual path to Nibbana. Ah, uh, okay. I need you to understand this. The Buddha's Dhamma is intended to fix the problem of our mind. This is an important point, very important for you to understand. What is Dhamma? Dhamma is meant to fix the mind, the problems of the mind. Our mind is not always healthy. It can be healthy. It should be healthy. But it is not always healthy. Hence, that is why when the Buddha taught the Dhamma, what is the first lecture that he gave? All those who had attended classes. What was the first discourse that he gave? Dhamma Chakka Pawatana Sutta, right? What was Dhamma Chakka Pawatana Sutta's first principle? Dukkha Arya Satya. There is Dukkha. So, the first point in the Dhamma is recognizing that Dukkha is a given. Dukkha is a given. Sukha is not a given. Sukha is what you perceive to be your entitlement. But it is not so. It is not a given. Do you know what it means by when I say it? When you perceive something is a given. When you perceive something is a given, you just assume, you assume that the normal state is Sukha. And so when I'm experiencing Dukkha, I am being abnormal. Whereas the Buddha said, Dukkha is a given. Then you may say, and many of you already, I can feel the resistance. You know, the resistance. You may, I'm not Dukkha ma, Dukkha suffering, I'm not suffering ma. Right? Surely you will say, no la. So rude, say like that to the teacher, right? But some of you will start asking this question. Why so pessimistic? Uh? 
Really? Suffering? The nature? That's the way things are? Let me ask you this. Why are you here tonight? This is Saturday night. Who's your father? Meaning to say, you eat food already, nothing to do. Literal translation, right? You are here because there is a part in you, there's something in you that tells you life's not perfect. Yes? That there is something in life that's missing. Which means to say, yes, you are not in suffering, you are not rolling around on the floor, groaning, suffering. But you know, this is not happiness. In other words, meaning you feel you can be happier. That if this is it, surely this is not it. It is it. Uh, it means the joy, the delight, the happiness. It is there. Round the corner. Let me plan for it when I retire. It is there. For those of you who are retired, you agree or not? <laughs> is it there? Deep down, you know something is off about existence. You may not be depressed. You may not be unhappy. But you are not fully, completely happy. You are at best okay. How are you? I'm fine. Okay. Very rarely. How are you? I'm happy. Rarely, right? You're at best okay. So let's just take a step back. Just take a step back. I will explain the word. To, oh, sorry. I keep talking, talking, talking. I forgot to show you this. See ya, see ya. Okay. Uh, I will explain the word dukkha. Dukkha is a spectrum of unpleasant feelings. It is not just suffering. Dukkha is, a, is if you like, a generic word for a range of feelings which you would describe as bosong. Not absolutely happy. So for this audience, the word is busong. So when you're feeling a bit tired, that's dukkha. When you're feeling a bit edgy, dukkha. When you think you should be sitting on a chair, dukkha. Okay? You're not suffering, you're not dying, but that's dukkha. Got it? So now you see, yeah. Dukkha is a given. You're never completely satisfied. That's what it means. Never completely satisfied. At any one time, and that's the very important thing to say, at any one time, if you look into your mind at that moment, right now, when I say now, you look into your mind, okay? Now, then you say, where are my mind, where? You look into your mind right now, you may find a little bit of edginess. Just a little bit. Will she get to the point quickly? <laughs> no. I'm working my way to a climax. Take your time. Okay? So, at any one time, you are always looking 
for something. That's the dukkha. Something, always looking for something to do. And usually, usually, before, don't look at the board first, look at me, look at me. Usually, if you don't believe me, uh, if you don't believe me, this was the experiment I gave you. After you leave this class, don't read my book. After you leave this class, you spend from where you are, next 10 minutes. I ask of your time, 10 minutes of your life. It's a very long life. I only want 10 minutes. You don't look at your handphone. You don't talk to somebody. You don't look for something to eat. You do nothing. And you don't meditate. Don't meditate. You just do nothing. 10 minutes. I guarantee you Dukkha Arya Satya already. <laughs> Crazy, uh, 10 minutes. Waste time only. I must check my email. Eh? Agree? 10 minutes afterwards, do your experiment. Dukkha is always present and always will be because of your habits and instincts. This looking for something you remember what I said at the first point? You're looking for something is craving. That's the craving energy. What is craving looking for? Seeking delights, making plans, relieving the past to <coughs> replaying the past to relieve memorial delights. Give me a sec. Let me explain. When I say go around looking for something, making many, many, many plans, you think about it. Your mind, you think about it. Big plans. What are big plans? Getting married, finding a job, when to have baby, uh, where to buy the house, how do you plan for your future, when do I retire? These are the big strategic plans. You don't do that? Most of us do that. You may not do it very well. That doesn't mean you didn't try. You just have a vague idea about my 20s, maybe early 30s, I get married. Yeah, something like that. Then I will enjoy life for a few years and then let's see what comes along. Like, you know, by the way, uh, something comes along. I, I will live with my parents. Or These are the big plans. Then there are the small plans, the tactical plans. Where do we eat? When do we eat? What do we do tonight, huh? What shows do we watch? What bus do I take? These are the tactical things. Do you see today how many plans you have made? You are always doing planning something. Have you even seen your mind not planning something? When the mind is not planning something, what does the mind do? Wow, you never plan it, must do something. <laughs> Finally, you decide to clean your house. You can't sit still. Agree? That happens to be our habits. Habits. These are habits. If you sit down, do nothing, it's like the day is dying. Nothing's happening. And when you're not planning, when you're not planning, what do you do? You repeat broadcast. Watch repeat live telecast. Oh, no, not live telecast, repeat telecast. You think about it. How often does your mind flip back to pleasant memories? 
or unpleasant memories. And that's where problems lie. Eh? You replay pleasant memories. You replay pleasant memories. If there are a, a lot of them, not bad. You will sum your life up as quite happy. Lah. But if you have, but you don't remember, you remember only the unpleasant ones, then sad. Lah. <laughs> Every time you repeat broadcast sad, all the, uh, what, the, the, the sad music, uh, the sad music come out already. Some Japanese drama, you know? <laughs> Taiwanese drama, sad things can happen. Yes? No? You know yourself. What are the kinds of things you replay? And what are the sort of things you plan for? And the mind keeps doing that. It doesn't stop. Doesn't that describe our life? Our habits? That's the dukkha. That's, sorry, that's the craving, the seeking, the searching that leads to a mind constantly in a state of dukkha. There will be many such occasions where you have to fill in the blanks. Filling in the blanks correctly tells me you're learning. Filling in the blanks wrongly means die, I must repeat. Okay? So, I repeat. There will be many moments your mind will plan and will review and will search and will hunt because the mind has the habit to keep doing this. What drives the mind like this is craving. What drives the mind to go spinning and planning and plotting and constructing is craving. Buddha was not wrong. You live in a state where you're never fully at peace. You're living in a state of semi-anxiety, semi-dukkha. Dukkha lah! Dukkha, hapa six, dukkha, three quarter, dukkha. You're living in a state of unease, if you like. And the reason why there is that unease is because the mind can't stop wanting. The mind can't stop seeking. From the day, from the day we were born, we have been working very hard for what I call proxy delights. What, is, what are these proxy delights? You crave for sensual, desire, sensual, desi uh, sensual pleasures, sensual desires, things to see, things to hear things to read, things to eat. You keep, you keep looking for things. The second one says craving for existence. The second one means you construct in your mind. There are two parts to this. You, it, you construct an image of yourself in your mind, a positive image. I want to be like this. I want to be like this. Don't you have one? How many arahans here? As long as you're not an arahan, you surely got mental image of yourself. If I gave you a piece of paper and I said, describe yourself, you will immediately put one column, all the good things, and a very small one-liner, the bad ones. That's because you want me to know you as a good person. But that's your mental construct, that's your bawa tangha. 
And when I say, not I, not me, when someone else say something that contradicts your image of yourself, what do you do? You fight with me, lo. You fight, lo. Because what I said doesn't agree with your idolized image of yourself. Yes? Agree? Now you understand Buddha correct or not? Say. <laughs> you agree, right? He's right. So one part of Bawa Tangha is the constant desire to build a nice image about yourself and the world to agree with you. What you fail to understand is everyone else is constructing an image of themselves. Nobody's interested in your image of yourself. They only want this. So what do we have? Clash of the self-image. Okay? The second thing about Bawa Tangha is your mind. This is all mind. The first law is about taste, touch, see, sight. You know, those are the first one. This second and third one is, is mental, mind-made. So the other mind-made thing is your memories. Pleasant memories you want to replay again and again. Unpleasant ones you want to forget. Unpleasant memories you want to forget. We bow tangha. You don't want them. But you, you and I know, every time you try not to remember what happened, when you try to forget what happens, they will spring to life. Bigger than ever. Scarier than ever. And, and we bow tangha can also be understand as image of yourself that makes you feel bad. Mind-made, these are all mind-made. The first lot is tangible things, the second, the second and third lots are mind-made things. The ones you want, the ones you like, the ones you want to repeat. The last one, we bow, we bow, don't want, don't want it to be there. The ones you don't want to be there, are the unpleasant one, your bad self-image. People say you, you don't like, you, want, you, don't, you, don't want that. you don't want any of that. Okay, easy? Why do I call them proxy delights? Because you're seeking something outside in search of happiness. You, you, every time you go shopping, right? Every time you go shopping, you believe that if you buy the thing you want, you'll be happy. No? Then what you buy? Waste money. <laughs> when you go out shopping, when you sit with another friend to chit-chat, you are looking for little delights. When you cheat, how many of you would willingly sit with someone you really cannot stand? <laughs> the martyr in you will spring to life. How many of you? Ubo? Any? Don't have, right? Most of you, how many of you, how many of you, come on, show of hands, don't be shy. How many of you will willingly sit with someone whose company you absolutely enjoy? The rest of you are a hundred already. <laughs> Most of you will stay away from the people you don't like. The people you like, you want to spend time with them. Normal. You are normal, it's okay. What are you seeking? Delights, pleasure, fun, laughter. But they are proxy because in effect, you are seeking a happiness that comes from within. You are seeking 
happiness. But because for the, from the youngest days, you found delight in gratification. When you get what you want, you have a surge of pleasure. Then you thought that having those pleasure is happiness. You get it? And that's where the problem lies. Because then you spend your whole life looking for all these pleasures, gratification. You seek things in the belief that when you get them, you will have a surge of delight. And that is happiness. You understand this? Not, not, not rocket science, right? You understand this. But proxy delights, gratifications give only a temporary high. Temporary. Anything temporary means it will dissipate. You got to then top up, refill. So what do I call you, Annie? We call each other druggies. You are drug addicts in search of a perpetual high. And you, when you, because the high comes like that, and then boleh that's it. Sometimes, that's it. How many of you, oh, okay. You, how many of you drive, drive car? Because it's a big ticket item, very expensive, right? Do you remember the day the car came? That was the world, right? So happy you were. Are you still in that state? No. How long did it last? Split half hour. Doesn't last very long, right? I'm not going to buy car. Okay? And the constant seeking. The constant seeking for that temporary high. That constant seeking is the source of the dukkha. Okay? But. It need not be like this. The mind, it is possible for the mind to be in a state of no dukkha. Buddha called the state of mind Nibbana. The challenge, therefore, is how to get the mind there. How to get the mind into that state of no dukkha? That's the third noble truth. That it can happen. What I just showed, this slide that I'm showing you, this is the third noble truth. The mind can be in a state where there is no dukkha. The question then is how do you get the mind into the state? For those of you, now we take Take a break, take pole. For those of you who said, I believe, I have faith in the Buddha, Dhamma and Sangha. For those of you who said, I have faith in the Buddha, Dhamma and Sangha. This is not a trick question. Huh? It is not a trick question. I'm checking your Sadda quotient. How many said, how many of you said, if I ask you, do you have faith, Sadda, you will willingly raise your hand. 
Do you have faith? Will, will you raise your hand? I never raised up. How many of you? Somebody like, yes. Okay, huh? how many of you, I, I'm serious, how many of you will say, I can't have that faith, I don't have it? Well done. So, oh, wait, you can raise your hand if you don't agree. <laughs> so, all of you here say, I believe, yeah? This is like a faith thing, I believe. Huh? Yeah, yeah? Okay. Now I ask you the next question. That, that was question one. For those of you who didn't attempt to answer question one, you can sit out question two. For those of you who answered question one, please continue the good, the good results, the good return. My second question to you. Do you believe that you, you can do it? Well done. That's the answer I was looking for. Now you want a model answer, that's the answer. If you believe in the Buddha, if you believe, you say, I have faith in the Buddha, he left behind the map. Ah, yeah, but I don't believe the map can work. No, not for me, I'm not so good. The map cannot work. What's your faith? Where is your faith? If you say, I believe in the Buddha, then you must believe the map will work. The Dhamma is his map. The map to Nibbana. And if you say, I believe in the Buddha, and he said the map will work, I don't know whether I can or not, but I believe that he said, I can, I can. You just do. Yes? That's the way it is. Now, when we say, what is Dhamma? Dhamma is the formula to fix the mind. And he left behind the Dhamma map to show how it can be done. So from here onwards, we're going to talk about how to fix the mind. Okay? Fixing the mind has three parts. Three parts. I'm going to show you the first part. Always, again and again, you hear this word. To see yata buddha. Yata buddha. What is there is. You see whatever is there as it is. What does it mean by seeing it as it is? As is. You don't make any assumption. You look at your own mind. Every time you see something, you have a lot to say. Isn't it? Your mind makes assumption automatically. This is what? But the mind very the Right? Second, clearly. Clearly means no distortion by your assumptions, your prejudices, your kekyanness. <laughs> Objectively, you see, we live in this society. We grew up with parents and friends and relatives and a lot of people, and we went through this world for a long, long time. And so we have picked up many, many teachings. So that's why it says objectively, not as you have been taught, not as you had already been conditioned. You have to decondition your mind, decondition your mind. Because what your mind has been telling you is what you have been taught for a long, long time and you learn to believe and you learn to accept for a long time. So this thing about seeing things as they are, very important to bear in mind, okay?
Why? Why do you have to see things as they are? Ayah, like this. Because when you have true, objective, clear, unconditioned, your, your unbiased, sorry, unbiased insights, when you see things as they really are, when you see the mind as it really is, perhaps wisdom would arise and you will realize, the wisdom, eh, you will realize that it is fruitless and it's painful to keep chasing and clinging. You understand? As long as you do not see the mind as it really is, you will continue on your own assumptions and do your own memory thing and your old habits and your old instincts will not change. No reason for you to change. But the moment you are able to see the mind as it really is, then you realize, Alamak, all these years, I got it wrong. My assumptions were wrong. My beliefs were wrong. My thinking was wrong. I need to fix this. I have to decondition, I have to change things. Then there is incentive for you to change and do the necessary that will get you to Nibbana. How to get to Nibbana the way we are? It's like walking into a high-class restaurant in pajamas. I don't know where pajamas go to a high-class restaurant. Right? You have to dress appropriately. So dressing appropriately means getting the mind into a certain shape. That's the practice we're talking about. So the next big task, the big challenge for us, eh? for those of you who seek Nibbana, the next big task of the Dhamma is to help the seeker develop the state of mind that can see things as things as it is, as they are. You need to reprogram mental habits and instincts. Reprogram. Think of it like this. Think of it like this. Huh? You have a laptop. You know a laptop, right? The, the computer that sits on your lap. <laughs> okay, forget it, a desktop. And that's a computer that sits on the desk. What you're trying to do is to reset the OS. Clean this fella, jam the whole thing, get rid of the nonsense, start again. You don't get rid of all your old habits and instincts, can't see the mind as it is. <clears throat> so, what we have to do as a first step, that is why, what, this is what the Dhamma does. First, the Dhamma explains the nature of the world, right? I mean, you know, he, he goes on about dukkha and craving and all this, you. The second big task about the Dhamma is to teach you to do the necessary rejigging in the brain, rejig in the brain, to set and lay in place five mental conditions. You get the five mental conditions there in your mind at any one time they sit there snugly. That mind 
with these five mental conditions will be able to see the mind as is. Get it? Up until here, I will stop and ask you, you get it? This is very important. I will keep asking, you must get it and we'll move on. So, the Dhamma to fix the mind. In order for the mind to be fixed, it has to see the mind as it is. It has to see itself for what it is. But it can't see itself. Normal person can't. Bajamas cannot. So, you have to be able to cultivate, develop five mental states written there. Faith. Here I put sila because you haven't started yet. Eventually, it will be a different word. But right now, I'll say sila. Mindfulness, sati, concentration, samadhi, wisdom. These are five mental states that have to be developed in order that the mind can see. I will explain in detail shortly. Okay? They are essential, non-negotiable. Cannot this life do one? The other four, next life. You sure next life human? Uh? I like that you all laugh so happily. <laughs> Meaning you agree with me. Lah. So, it has to be five mental conditions. All done. One shot. If you don't have five, let's say you got four fifth. Missing five. Sorry, bus go on already. You didn't get exact change. Okay? And entire suitors sections in suttas. This is important. I didn't create the five mental conditions. The Buddha said them. They are suttas explaining they have to be developed. And what do they look like? So I'm going to explain what they look like. Huh? Number one, sattva. If you agree with everything that I have said thus far, Yes? No? Yes. It's okay, one. It's, it's okay. My, my ego can take it. <laughs> if you only somewhat agree, it's okay, it's okay. But if you even even if you somewhat agree, okay, la, you make sense, you're so clever, you make sense. La. Even if it's only somewhat agree, right? That you heard and you agree, that's having caveat faith. Why caveat? I say ma, you hear ma, did you see for yourself? Not yet. All you have is my word. Now you buy the product, then you go home and you test it and you use it and you discover the joy of the product. That's when faith will search. Right now, all you have is caveat sada. And this is critical. Sada is critical because if you start, if you say, I'm going to be a good person, I'm going to be a good person, but your good person is not based on correct understanding. Faith sits on some understanding. That is why my question to you was, or my, my point to you was, if you heard what I said and you agree with what I said, meaning you heard, you understood, you like it, it got in a bit, you heard what I say, you like it, that's faith. It's faith based on understanding. 
some understanding. Because that faith sits on understanding, now you understand why you want to do good, avoid evil, purify the mind. That's the important relationship. Don't people say five preset, you five preset. Eight preset, eight preset, they can't ask me. Like this, you say break preset. Uh. Like these, uh, like this white line, uh, white one, eh, not black one, eh, white one can or not. Uh. You, you know, uh, all this is true, right? Uh, uh. You know this. Right or wrong, you will be able to answer at the end of this talk. In the meantime, I'm not going to the, the precepts. I will tell you the importance of sila, morality. The importance is it is supposed to help you break the negative habits. Any habits that reinforce craving, wanting, delusion, all those habits, eventually they have to stop. And therefore, and therefore, five precepts is a very low bar. Five precepts is as low a bar as it gets. When you get higher bar, I will show you later, okay? And then you say, oh, but, but, but eight precepts, eight precepts. See, not so great either, la, but good enough, better. La. Only if you do it with understanding. If you do it only or chew it, jump God, no, not, not right. Good, la, try, you try, we go Buddha approved. But not good enough, okay? So one is to break bad habits bad mental states, you're angry, you want to beat up someone, that's the thing you want to break. You cultivate good ones, the ones that strengthen your ability to say, it's okay, I will let go. It's okay, I will accept. It's okay, I This kind, all these words are very good. Do it with wisdom, very good, okay? Purify the mind is to wipe the mind space clean so that eventually it can go beyond ego and craving. Eventually, huh? eventually. Right now, you say it cannot be done, it's okay, I understand. Okay. Sadda, Sila, Sati, Samadhi. I put the two together because what we're trying to achieve here is for the mind to go calm. Calm it down, stop the chattering. You chatter too much, your mind talks a lot. When the mind talks a lot, how's the mind supposed to see anything? We're supposed to see things as they are. See? Huh? See? No, the mind is busy talking. See what? You yourself know. If you get a security guard and he spends his time yakking on the handphone, you will sack him tomorrow. Yes? Okay, he can't see things as they come. Yeah? So, the same thing. You're supposed to be the security guard to guard your mind. If you talk too much on your handphone, you can't see the mind. The mind just goes like this. You see nothing. Okay? So, sati, mindfulness, samadhi, meditation, the concentration, the two together helps the mind to go quiet. That's the intent of the two practices. If you think that meditation is so that you can get off the ground without moving your legs, there's a lot of effort for nothing. You understand? If you say, oh, I have meditation so I can see things. What? Myopia. Get glasses. <laughs> it is not. It is to quiet the mind now. Keep it calm. Only when the mind knows how to go quiet. Goes, when the mind knows how to go quiet, only then 
Can you come and talk? Now we are ready to see things as they are. Okay? So go for meditation, learn the mindfulness, understand the reason for it. And the last one. So, uh, Sadda Sila 2, Sati Samadhi 4. Last one, Panya, wisdom. Wisdom is knowing what, when, when, when the mind goes quiet and now you're able to see the mind, right? When the mind goes quiet, you begin to be able to see the mind, you, you now are able to see the mind. But that doesn't mean you know what you're seeing. You, you know you're quiet. You know the mind is there. How many of you have gone in deep into meditation and the mind goes quiet and go, now see what? Ah? See what? Yes? <laughs> so, normal. It is normal. When the mind goes quiet, it's ready to see. And then you go, see what? Ah? Do you know why it happens? Didn't learn enough Dhamma. You don't know what is Dhamma. Because you don't know when the mind goes quiet, it's got nothing to do. It just goes quiet and you go quiet, very happy, you come out unrealized, I'm blissful. That can happen, huh? that can happen. You come on meditation, you're so quiet, so blissful. You also don't know how to scold people, eh? so nice. This. So nice. And there you are, you don't know what's going on. That's not Dhamma. That's bleached out. That's not letting go. Oh, but it's sort of like it's let go. Let go. <laughs> That's not Vimuti, Vimuti freedom. You don't feel free. I tell you why you don't feel free. Because you walk into a war, you will curse. Hello, why are you here? <laughs> Loba dosa will come out already. Okay? So, first thing, wisdom is required to be able to know what you are seeing. Therefore, Buddha said the way to build wisdom, the way to build wisdom, or two big things. Huh? One, you've got to have sufficient data, correct data, right. He called it Parata Gohosa, teachings from another. The correct teachings. Gather enough Dhamma information, the correct Dhamma information. You have to gather enough. So there's a pool there. When you go quiet, the mind goes quiet, it will know how to <coughs> go fishing. It knows what to fish out. Okay? Number two, the mind must know what it is supposed to look for. Yoniso manasikara, the correct attention, paying correct attention. It knows what it's supposed to do. Wisdom is built by the mind that knows the Dhamma. I mean, it, it knows the knowledge, conceptual knowledge, and it knows what to do, okay? And the second part, when you begin to be able to observe what's happening in the mind, you can correlate what you are observing to the Dhamma concepts that you had learned. Therefore, you must have concepts. For those of you who say meditation can already, no need go for class. That was what the Buddha said. Buddha say you need to have paratagohosa. You need to have information, correct information, gather the correct information. Oh, you're smarter than Buddha. Buddha say you should have that. And you say no need. Something's off, isn't it? I'm not asking you to sit for PhD. You don't have to. Ah, that one no need. PhD no need. MA also no need. 
formal degree leading to a BA, also no need. What you need, need, not one. What you need is attend a good course or get a good Dhamma book and you sleep with the Dhamma book every night after reading it. Every night, devote 10 minutes because if you last beyond 10 minutes, good, go on. But if you can't, try at least 10 minutes. 10 minutes, gather sufficient information, dumber information, and keep it there. Then you say, oh, my book very dry. Get a, not a dry one, get a, a, a one more interesting. You get it? So collect the information, listen to my dumber talk. We'll give you the website later. That should keep you awake for a while. Or or attend a good course that will take you through the concepts. Like you all miss BBC 1 and 2. Long. Attend a good course, go, just gather the information first. If you didn't gather and you go meditate, you see nothing. I guarantee. If you see something, you better check with your teacher, something off. <laughs> okay? You must, you must. Buddha say so. I, I full believer in Buddha. He say what, I follow what. Okay? So you gather the information first, build the data bank, okay? When these five mental conditions are Can we, can we just 
I drink water first, huh? you wait, wait, wait. Don't, don't take me drinking water so shy. <laughs> Do you all want to take a quick break? Well, plenty has gone already. I tell you what, I, I gave you five minutes. If you all need many, many, many people go pee, I'll give you ten minutes. <laughs> Otherwise, before your break, if you recall, I said that when the five mental conditions are there in your mind, the mind is ready to be able to see its true nature. Yes? What is that true nature? That that the mind, the mind, the mental states, your experience of the mind is impermanent and conditional. Let me reverse that backslide. Uh, hang on. Is impermanent and conditional. What is impermanent is dukkha. What is dukkha is non-self, right? I said this. So now I'm going to explain what they are, okay? Anicca, impermanent. I said here that it is so obvious, it is difficult to miss. What do I mean by that? If you look into your mind at any one time, right now, you look into your mind, is the current state you are experiencing the same as the one just before? Hmm, Who says, hmm, kong si mi? Who? Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Meaning to say, every time you stare at your mind, it's a different mental state. Yes? And you keep flipping, 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 flipping. If you stare very hard, you flip very fast. Yeah? And then, you know, you, as you scan, you know, you, you talk about scanning the brain, scanning the body. The mind just kind of flips from page to page, point to point. What it means is, at any one time, one of the five aggregates, what are the five aggregates you have attended the class? What are the five aggregates? Body, feelings, perception, very good, mental formation, in other words, thoughts, huh? thought construction, volitional thought construction, the fifth one, consciousness. At any one time, when you look at the mind, it's one of these guys. One of these, the, the form, the feeling, a perception going on, a thought happening, or just bare consciousness at any one time. And it comes and goes. Actually, actually, all five are there at any one time. They are all there, present and accounted for. But, your mind is capable of registering one of the five only. So when you register feeling, you will notice at the point when you stare at feeling, there is actually no thought. When you look at thought, at the point where you say, look at thought, that feeling is neutral. And because the feeling is neutral, because the feeling is neutral, you don't remember the feeling. You would thought it is a thought. Then you say, I have I got painful thoughts. Actually, that tells you the feeling 
the perception, the thought, they are all there. And sometimes you fuse it as a step in the heart, ah, that, the heart also there. Fog. You know what I'm saying? Actually, all five are present at any one time, but you are only you are aware only of one of them. The most prominent one. And when you are aware of the most prominent one, your mind, the volitional thought, you know, that, that Shankara, happily takes over and runs. When he runs, everybody chase. Gone is your mindfulness. Okay? And if you just look at your mind right now, you already see it has changed. Isn't it impermanent? Isn't it impermanent? Must see in meditation, then see. Uh. You just have to sit there and it's changing relentlessly all the time. And for each one that you pay attention to, right? For each one of them, didn't it sit on a previous, previous experience? Previous experience? Meaning it sits on something and then the next one comes along. Sits on the side and something else comes along. It's conditional. This is the most obvious. Okay? Then you say, okay, got it, next. No, no, no. You must understand this. It is a fundamental principle of your mind. If you tell me you have seen it in meditation and you've seen it in daily life, if you tell me you have seen it, then why are you still getting caught up in your anger? Why? Because if you have seen change and you internalize the mind as always changing, what is there to hold on to? It will change. You say, I hold on to the I. Very gao. Where's the I? Which is the I? Feeling is the I? Mind? The mind is made out of feeling, perception, thought formation, consciousness. Consciousness is the I? Uh, no, 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 a bit more. Feeling is the I? Uh, you know, well, maybe, I um, don't know. And then you go on and on looking for the I. Things that keeps changing has no essence, in other words. Now, change is unsettling. Change is unsettling. Some people will say, no, I like change. Change brings hope. You are still looking for happiness. You are still looking for the rainbow there. And so change, because you are eternal optimist, the rainbow is there. And change means it takes you closer to whatever you are seeking. Assuming, you, you, assuming hypothetically, you've got the rainbow. You sit on the thing you really want. You want it to change? You marry the man you love? You want it to change? You don't want him to die? Not possible. Change by its very nature is unsettling. That is why the Buddha didn't teach Anicca Dukkha Anatta. The Buddha taught Anicca in what is Anicca is Dukkha, in what is Dukkha is Anatta. You have to understand it's linked like this. Change is unsettling. You don't like change. Disturbing. In change in itself is dukkha. Get it? Then 
for those who say, I like change, change brings me better, I already pointed out to you. That's because you're seeking for happiness. And when you find it, you don't want happiness to change. What? Bokao. Want to change husband, change wife. You found your perfect spouse, want to change. Don't want. You found your perfect kid, want to change. Take back, take back, I don't want. Can you give me another one, better one? No. You are only looking for the best. That which brings you perfect peace. Then when you hit perfect peace, I'm done changing. Don't change, huh? don't change anymore. Boom, don't change. Because it will never stop. Because the mind doesn't pause. Your video does, but not the mind. Even your memory doesn't pause. As soon as you remember something, it's the next one. Right? Try stopping your memory. You can't. That's the very nature of our mind. And the Buddha says, see that as it is. See the nature of your mind as it is. See how it keeps flipping, flopping, changing on and on and on. And as it flips, flops and change, see that in that change, there is nothing worth holding on to because whatever you hold, will dissipate, like grabbing water. Worse, grabbing air. Okay, grab air, come. Not possible. And in what is dukkha, that's anatta. Now, anatta is much harder to see. You will see it eventually, when you do your meditation correctly, properly, I guarantee you will see anatta. But from the start point, right now, all of us sitting down here, anatta is what? Anatta is what? Right now, at this point of your practice, at this point of our career, we have to do what is called proactive, actually deprogramming. Proactive deprogramming. What do I mean? You see, instinctively, instinctively, we all assume there is an I, right? There is a soul. I believe in a soul. You will say, but Buddha said no soul. If I have faith in Buddha, I must believe there's no soul. How? Get it? So you have to deprogram your mind, deprogram the mind to start saying to yourself, there is no mind. There is no I, there is no self. You have to keep telling yourself that. To do that, why? If it's for real, why do you have to do that? You also believe in permanence, what? You also believe that sukkah is your entitlement, what? But you know for your, now, by now, sitting right here, I can feel that you're beginning to grudgingly accept anicca dukkha, correct? But anatta is hard because you can't see it. It's not obvious to you, right? And because it's not obvious to you and you can't see it, actually what the Buddha taught the monk to do, he taught the monk to do active deprogramming. Why do I say that? What did he tell Ananda, his son, uh, sorry, uh, Rahula? He told his son Rahula, in everything that you see, hear, touch, taste, in everything that you experience, say, this is not mine, this I am not. This is not my utter self, so, okay? What was he asking uh, uh, Rahula to do? Deprogramming. 
because you have to overcome your OS. Remember the laptop? Ah, yeah, I didn't tell you the story of the laptop right there. I did. Uh. Your laptop has a program in it. It got gonna hit by virus. Where's the virus coming from? From your conditioning in daily life. Friends that tell you must fight for your right. Your right must fight for it. Fight is the right thing to do. You know, when you're asked to fight and all those things, those are virus Trojan horse. Trojan horse, right? Don't laugh like that. Lah. I think I say wrongly. Lah. I still laugh at this so happy, this class. So, you see, when you have all these wrong malware, they messed up your mind. So, you have to do rebooting. Cut out everything. Get rid of the OS, right? Get rid of the OS. Put a new one, brand new. And this teaching, the Dhamma, part of the Dhamma is deprogramming, changing the OS. And this is the hard one to change. But luckily for all of us, this one for Arahan. Just let you know, lah, for Arahan, okay? So, people in the practice, once they have entered the stream on, and so on, they have to keep doing this. Not I, not mine, not self. No self, no self, no I, no mine. It goes on and on and on. Until the mind shifts. When the mind shifts, it means it drops the old habits. It drops the whole habits, okay? One last point to make about anatta, this thing about may conceptually understand mental, physical ecosystem. Does this line make sense to you? No. You see, uh, now I'm going to help you conceptually understand. How many of you know that there is a stomach within your system? <laughs> I like you guys already. Circulatory system. Huh? Uh, what else you have? Respiratory system. What are they called? They are called system. Did you have anything to do with the system? Did you? Uh, now you breathe, uh, now you go in, and uh, now you go down. Uh, did you have anything to do with all the system that's working in there? Nothing. It does what it has to do by themselves. So that's an ecosystem in there. This is the physical ecosystem. It does all its work by itself. You have nothing to do. Can you tell yourself, don't grow fat, don't grow fat, don't grow fat. <laughs> Fight against your genetic code. Don't go fat. Stop eating. Stop eating. Boom. You can't, right? There's a genetic code, right? You have nothing to do with the coding, right? Your mother's fault. Your father's fault too. The point, the point is that there is a system that has nothing to do with your willpower. It does its own merit thing. That's the physical fault. I, I know, I talk about physical for everybody understand. Ecosystem, got it, got it, got it. Another, right? Can you say, do this, do that? No, it does its own merry thing. What food you enter here will eventually land here or get out. It's a normal process. Just like that. You have no selection right. You don't say, hey, the, the shark's fin stay there. And uh, all this fat, fat thing, I'll go down. You don't do that, right? You can't. You have no say. What goes in, the body takes over. Hello. <laughs> then they do whatever they have to do, right? Okay, now mental. This is the physical ecosystem. What's mental? You think you have every control over the mind, right? I ask you, don't lose temper. Why you lose temper? I ask you, don't be prejudiced. Why you prejudice? 
I ask you to watch the mind why you don't watch. Why can't watch? For the ones who try to do meditation, try so hard, try so hard, stairs, 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 then the mind drift, <laughs> drift by itself. You will, right? You will so hard. You try so hard. You did all the things that they say must do. And still the mind drifts by itself. Does its own merry thing. Then you scold yourself. Because as long as you keep saying it's my fault, I should hold, I should have better control over the mind. It's my fault, I scold people. I should have better control. It's condition. A lot of things happen in the brain. Today, with the MRI machinery, they are able to tell. There's a lot of things happening in the brain. And you are the part that realize the consequence of the, mach the machinery in that. Things are happening in there. It coughs out an output. You react. So therefore, there's a mental ecosystem going on there. And you are aware of only the tip of the iceberg. And then you decide you control the iceberg. Therefore, it's your fault that Titanic sunk. <laughs> See what I'm saying? That doesn't mean you're not at fault. Lah. I'm not saying you're completely free of fault. Okay? You can still choose to react or not. You have that choice. Your final choice is I scold or I hold back. It's much harder to not let the anger come up. But you can still choose. Say or not. Say or not. Say, lah. say then die, never mind. <laughs> say then die. That's what will happen. Because once you say, it will sear into a habit. The neural pathway is born. <laughs> Get it? Now you understand the Buddha's point, right? That's important. So there is a physical ecosystem, there is a mental ecosystem. All these are going on. Now you conceptually understand, right? That is another one version of it, but it's the correct version of another. There's more to that, okay? Okay. When you see the mind's nature in a literal manner, literal, what does the word literal mean? It's not some imageries, figurative. It is when I say see a nature, you register change. You, regi you register, you see for yourself how mental states keeps changing. When you see dukkha, you understand. This is when the mind feels unpleasantness. It feels unpleasantness because you, you experience and you know. So see the mind's nature in a literal way, one or all of the above characteristics, and you correctly, correctly correlate your observations to the Dhamma concepts that you have been taught tonight. I added tonight lah. Because yesterday, what you forgot already, ma? <laughs> when you see Anicca, Dukkha, Nata, and you correlate it to all the concepts that you have learned, 
that becomes a moment of wakening for you. Now, then you wait for the, 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 right? the enlightenment moment. You haven't seen ma, you only heard. So right at this point, you are at the part that says correctly, oh, sorry, Dhamma concept. Right now, what you have accumulated for yourself is Dhamma concepts. Okay? Then you go for meditation, you, you do the necessary to generate the five mental conditions, and when you ge generate the five mental conditions, then put the mind to look at the mind. The pay your attention, put your attention to looking at the nature of the mind. That's when you look for anicca, dukkha, anatta. Right now, you try to figure out it's still thought-based. This is not what we mean, what, what I meant when I said correlating what you have been taught with what you are seeing in there. Okay? When you actually see it and you correlate, <coughs> okay, <coughs> when you when you correlate, when you correlate, and it's a moment of awakening for you, a realization for you, at that moment, moha arises. Delusion lifts. Sorry, not arises, lifts. Moha. Let me just explain the word moha. We all, at any one time, live in a state, our mental state, at any one time, our mental state is shrouded in moha, delusion. Why do I say that? Because you look at your own mind. Always go back to the mind. At any time, one time when you look at the mind, what is that mind doing? Looking, the mind is seeking, the mind's bored, the mind doesn't feel great, the mind does things, it does its own merry thing. Why does it do its own merry thing? It's looking for delight. You look at your mind at any one time, doesn't matter young or old, male or female, whatever religious groups, whatever uh, nationality, doesn't matter. As long as you're human, that's what's going to happen. At any one time when you look at the mind, it's bouncing, it's seeking. It wants to do something, it wants to plan something, it wants to go somewhere, it wants to be someone, it's trying to do something. As long as that's do what it is doing, as long as the mind is bouncing and wanting to do one thing, one thing to do, it's programmed, it's running by its own program. And that program to go looking, seeking, hunting, whatever, that programming is moha. Because if you take out that program, you change the program and it doesn't seek, it stops. It will only stop when it realizes the needlessness, the uselessness of seeking. What is it seeking? Pleasure, delight. It's seeking pleasure and delight. Why are you seeking pleasure and delight? Because you believe delight will bring more delight, will give you permanent happiness. Isn't that a delusion? Do you see that? You are beginning to get it, but you can't quite pin it down. Am I right? You're beginning to understand moha, but you're not sure, because you're, not, you're new to this. You're new to what I'm saying. 
So because you're new to it, I say, trying very hard, and you hear and listen, trying very hard, and both of us are trying very hard, and something will happen. Now. <laughs> You'll get something. Now. But then you say, yeah, but, but I have to go and memorize again. Meaning it's not quite there. It hasn't sunk in. It will sink in. It will sink in at the end of the lecture. I guarantee. Because there are some things to do. Okay? So, moha is when the mind is still shrouded in its old operating system with its old assumptions, its old belief, its old understanding, its old thinking. You are old, old. Okay? When moha lives, everything's brand new. Your values change, your thinking change, your seeing change, your understanding change, your assumptions change. That's what's happened. So as long as you're still operating on the old system, moha, 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 moha. Okay? I'm not scolding you. It's just like that. Now, when the moha lives and you see the mind clearly, and you realize the mind clearly, that realization and that internalization of the new knowledge is temporary. The relief, the joy, the bliss, the dhamma joy you feel, temporary, temporary. It's magnificent when it happens, but it's only temporary. The effects are temporary. Why? Because your old habits will come back. Your old habits will all come back. Someone says something you don't like, boom! Say me, say me, you will say. It's just like that, it's just habit, okay? And only when you're seeing and understanding, only when the seeing and understanding is penetrative enough, only then will you enter the stream and become a sotapanna. What does it mean? Wait, now the word is stream, right? Buddha always say enter the stream. As opposed to a, A, A. Flood. Sorry. A for if you get the right answer. Not the word I'm looking for starts with letter A. Enter the stream as opposed to us living in the flood. The an analogy that the Buddha used, the analogy that the Buddha used to describe someone who realized the Dhamma for the first time, the penetrative insight. Realizing the Dhamma, he used the word entering the stream. The rest of the world lives in an ocean, a flood. Flood. Why flood? Because we are constantly bombarded by arising cravings and desires in relation to the world inside and the world outside, the inner world and the external world, all the attractions around us. You are constantly battling. If you are not sure, if you don't believe, you just stare at your mind. It goes in, talk, 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 comes out, talk, 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 goes in, out, in, out. It keeps doing that, bouncing around all over the place. If you say, oh, I don't see it, ah, because you're used to the bouncing. After a while, it doesn't bother you anymore. It's just like that. But if it bounces more, that's when you go into depression. Okay? So, what happens when the person enters the stream? you no longer believe that there is an I essence, an inner entity called soul. It's kaya You break 
you break a certain habit, delusion of the, the, the belief in the I essence. Ditti is a view. Sakaya is, the, is, is I essence. There is an I in this essence. There is, sorry, there is an I, an I essence in this Nama Rupa, this mind and body. When you realize that the, that the, the mind, its experience, the mind keeps flipping, your experience keeps flipping, keep flipping. When you realize that, and you realize that in all this flipping, flipping, it's really dukkha. When you realize all these things in such a penetrative way, mind made up things, and so on and so forth, the whole Dhamma, it comes together and the first thing it cracks is, one of the things that it cracks, three things, one of the things it cracks is Sakaya Ditti. The mind no longer believes that there is an I essence in this mind and body. The second fetter that it breaks is doubt. You are now sure of the Dhamma, of the path, because you have seen for yourself how the mind works, how the mind keeps changing, how the mind feels peace when it does not chase anyone. Okay? And you know now that it is about cleansing the mind and not following a set of pattern or formula for, of, of external purification. You know how many people go around asking, am I bowing correctly? Should I follow all these steps? Should I do all these things, right? right? Huh? No, you've never done that? You will, it's very common for people to be wondering, how should you address the Buddha? Do I offend him if I bow wrongly? That kind of rites and rituals. And then you go for blessings, you know, blessings. Blessings. And you do a lot of things. It's very common for us, not understanding how the mind works, will believe there is a, a way of fixing the mind's problem. Because we don't say it as a mind's problem, we say it is bad luck. Conditions of the world, bad luck. We say things like that. And because it's bad luck, conditions of the world, we're not able to handle this, let's go ask for divine help. So you go for purification, you seek all kinds of measures to improve your luck. We do things like that. But it's actually your mind, not your luck. Luck, there's just conditions, things happen out there. If you have no craving, no wanting, no chasing, you don't mind anything, whatever happens, you just deal. Whatever happens, you just deal. You don't have to worry that it must be the best condition. Best also like that. Best also will dissipate. You will expect whatever good, bad will come next. It's not necessarily bad, but it won't stay. It won't last. Things don't last. They will just come and go, come and go. And if you see how your mind accepts come and go, come and go, and it doesn't ask for any more, then the mind is at peace. You see what I'm saying? So when the mind understands how it works, it will have full confidence 
having full confidence, enter the stream. Okay? When that happens, your faith will explode. This is the belief in the triple gem, unshakable. In your mind, you know the Buddha was right. The Dhamma, the Dhamma, what is the Dhamma? It's a map to fix the mind. It tells you how to get it right. And you now know the Dhamma works because your mind is at peace. Temporary doesn't matter, but it feels that it is in control. It knows how to fix its, its problem. It knows alternative medicine. Get it? The Dhamma medicine. Dhamma is correct, it's true, and it works. Dhamma, by now, is no longer a book of rules and regulations and merits and demerits and things to do per se, just because Buddha says so. It's knowing how to fix mind. In other words, you become a mechanic of the mind or doctor of the mind, give you a bit of elevated status, since that's still important. So you now call yourself doctor of the mind, you can fix it. When you feel down, it's okay, I know what to do. Get it? And Sangha are the ones who understood, they got it. They've seen the mind, they've understood the Dhamma. And they had achieved some relief from the Dukkha. Understand? Why do I say this? Go back to, you remember your own triple gem chanting? Homage to the triple gem, what does it say? Supatipano, Bhagavato, Sawaka Sangho. You all know this. What's Supatipano? Upright conduct. Practicing well, practicing correctly, practicing with understanding, knowledge, and all. The emphasis in the chant is about practice and understanding, isn't it? And then what else did it say? Yadidan Chattari Purisa Yugani Atta Purisa Pukkala. Four pairs of individuals. Eight. People, eight people. What are these eight people? Sotapana, Magapala, Sakadagami, Magapala, Anagami, Magapala, Arahata, Magapala. Four pairs. Ayah, now use all the Pali word. <laughs> Stream enterer, once returner, never returner, Arahant. Because earlier on I said arahatta. Pali is actually arahatta. Okay? Okay. This is when the faith becomes unshakable. Yawanibana. Until you end the game. Originally the plan was to stop here, take a break, so you can come back for more. You know what? I think I need the break. Can we just take five? That's what five, huh? You need to go, you go quickly and come back. I One minute. Huh? You see, earlier on, let's just recap before we go on, okay? Do you remember the structure up to this point? All that has been said. <laughs> <laughs> and 
enlightening. <laughs> the Dhamma is about fixing the mind. In order for the Dhamma to be able to fix the mind, the mind has to be able to see itself. Yes? And the third part is, what does it see? What is it supposed to see? We say it has to see itself. Oh, sorry, it see itself. In order that it can see itself, it has to develop, it has to cultivate five mental conditions. With the five mental conditions present, it can see the mind. If the five mental conditions are available, it can see the mind. The next one is, what is it supposed to see? Yes? Then you will say, enter the stream ready, what? Jackpot! Right? Because I ended the last part with stream entry. Okay. Now I'm saying this, but it is not game over. To see, even at a superficial level and partially, the three characteristics is a critical start point. What were the three characteristics? Anicca, Dukkha and Anatta, even to see them superficially. Because if you don't go into meditation, you can't see them with depth. And you certainly can't see Anatta properly. Anatta is the only one of the three that has to be seen in meditation. But that, as I said, is Arahan. So you can, it's okay, it's okay, panchan a bit. But the three, Anicca, in, so in what is impermanent is Dukkha. This too, to see superficially, you you, like what you are having now, what many of you are experiencing now is what I would call superficially get it. Yes? This superficially getting it, I get what you're saying, this superficial getting it, this is a very critical start point. Because if you don't have this as a start point, what's the purpose of practicing? What are you working towards? In this game, we are working towards Nibbana. Nibbana is a state of mind where there is no more arising of craving. Craving doesn't arise. When craving doesn't arise, you don't feel dukkha. You understand this? Very subtle, tentative, grouching. Yes. <laughs> but you get what I'm saying, huh? Now, letting go of craving. This letting go of craving is not a case of I want and I don't want. If you say I don't want craving, that means I want no craving. You, you are still wanting. The mind has to let Go, let down, no desire, spontaneously, on its own. The mind makes no demand. You might, for the, the ones who are very clear about the arising of craving, you see many times arising of craving, you go, how like that? How can that be done? That's the point. It can be done. It can be done, but 
there are things to do. I repeat, uh, it's all about the mind knowing how to just let go of craving. Doesn't ask, doesn't seek, doesn't chase. The mind just sit and accept by itself, not, not pushed, not ngingi lai. You ngingi lai is not, it's more duka. Ngingi lai equals lagi duka. Okay? It must be ching ching song song like that. Okay? Why every time I use Chinese, you all laugh? So happy, support. Lucky, my manat not so big. Okay, the second point here, which I need you to register, especially for the ones who have done a lot of meditation. So deep your insights, so deep your seeing. The second point is very important for you. For the rest, learn. The second point is insights. It is not about insights. The whole game is not about insights. The whole game is getting to the insights so that you can get on with the journey. You must remember that. There are people who will say, it is all about the seeing. It's all about the understanding, the realization. You do realize that when the Buddha laid down what must be done, you remember, for those of you who have attended my talks, you remember the conversation between Ananda and the Buddha. And in that conversation, Ananda asked the Buddha, Buddha, what is the purpose of sila, morality? Buddha said, so that you can have no remorse. Buddha, what is the purpose of having no remorse? Buddha said, so that you can be happy. Piti, you have piti, arising of piti. Piti is joy, rapture. What's the purpose of having piti? So that the mind has calm, tranquility, pasadi. What's the purpose of having pasadi? So that the mind can concentrate. What's the purpose of this? Wait, it's coming. Concentration, meditation. What is the purpose of meditation? Ananda asked. Buddha said, so that it can see the mind as it is. Yatha Buddha Nyana Dasana. The Yatha Buddha see the mind as it is. Knowledge and insight. That's the purpose. But he didn't stop there. What is the purpose of knowledge and insight? So that you can experience Nibidda. Nibidda. Disenchantment. What is the purpose of Nibidda? So that you can experience Viragga. Dispassion. What is the purpose of dispassion? So that you can experience Vimutti. Liberation. Freedom of the mind. And then Nibbana. So in this game, in this practice, getting to the point where the mind goes quiet and the mind can see its own nature is step one. It's not the end of the game. But if you don't get here, you didn't enter the stream. You have to get to a point where the mind says, Alama, I got it lah. No need to be so drama, but something like that. <laughs> something like this. When the mind realizes it had been fooled by itself for a long time. How do you know it's fooled by itself? Because it has seen change, 
dukkha and anatta. Anatta, see it superficially or deep, it gets it. And when it gets there, this is what's happening. See that? Inside to help you be able to let go. The whole point of insight is so that you will let go on your own. And it's not a one-night thing. Tonight I go to sleep, then I get it, then I let go. It doesn't work like that. You have to consolidate again and again and again. Okay? Does it move? Okay. Most of you will be familiar with the Eightfold Path, yes? You so happily tell me Dhamma Chakra Bhavatana Sutta, right? Dhamma Chakra Bhavatana Sutta was where Buddha introduced the Eightfold Path. But actually, the full works is a Tenfold Path. There is Sammanyana, Correct knowledge of the true nature of the mind and correct knowledge of the Dhamma and the practice. And there is Sama Vimutti, right liberation of the mind. The right liberation of the mind. It is incredibly difficult to break habits. It's very difficult to break habits and instincts. You try, you ask yourself, ever since you swear blind that you're a Buddhist and you took your precepts and you, and you say, I will do good, do no evil and purify the mind. Ever since that, you didn't like yourself very much every time you lose your temper, yes? And still it comes up, yeah? Maybe, maybe you do very well, so it doesn't come out as much, but it still you know, pops, up, pops up. And that is because the mind has habits. It has, certain, it has certain image of itself. It keeps going back to the habit. If you're not, they're neural pathways, they're all fixed. They're AYE. You want to change people's habit, use BKE, use BKE. Ugh, I want to go AYE. They keep doing that. So you have to consciously shift, force the mind to change habits. If every day you must eat five, five, five spoons of rice, today I ask you to cut to four. Oh, I can die. <laughs> four, I will be skinny and dead in a week. The mind has... So you, you, after you eat, take four spoons of rice, you, your mind keeps going, I'm not full eh. I'm not full. Usually, how many people eat how many? Ten, uh, ten. Uh. Okay. Ten spoons of rice. Now, as you eat eight, oh, I cannot take it, cannot take it. You know? It's the same thing. Mental states are very difficult to break. So, you tend to do what I call the tango. Not that I know how to do tango, but the tango, you know, you go back and you go forth, you go back, you, know, you go front and you go back. And, one step forward, one step backward, hopefully two steps forward and only one step backward. So in very zing and zong way, you make your way forward. Yes? You go for retreat, oh man, 
eight four pounds. If I'm not ten four pounds, it be Come for one class, increase by two. <laughs> and then you go and you say, okay, I shall try very hard. You go for a retreat, you come up, yes, yes. Oh, finish. That's it. Students have been saying we can't reverted to old habits. Of course, eh? you never go on. You must know the rest. So, what is daily practice? Oh yeah, so fast went to that, huh? Wait, huh? Sorry, sorry. I only need you. I don't. I'm not going through this with no time. I just need you to know. Do you remember this? Thirty-seven factors of enlightenment. All these, all these. They actually sit on top of each other and they strengthen the mental states. These mental states, you don't have to learn everything, but these mental states, as they strengthen, they, takes you, they will take you in the correct direction. Constantly recrafting your mind. That's the point. You have to constantly recraft, reshape, retool your mind. Keep bringing into the mind the correct mental states. That are, they are all there. These are the mental states required for you to keep going. Now you're getting more and more depressed. No, 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 no. This is just normal. Your mind has very bad habits. You have to keep building the correct mental states so that you keep going on the right track. Actually, that's what it means. And these are the ones that will take that sotapanna, take him from a state of understanding and deliver him all the way to Arahan. That is why the Buddha used the word seka to describe sotapanna, sakadagami, anagami, three sta four stages of saying, right? The first three stages, the Buddha called them sekas, trainees. They are still training. They still have to retool their mind, change their habits, change their habits, change and internalize the Dhamma. And as they internalize, they will start to change. And eventually, the letting go becomes spontaneous. I will continue to explain, okay? Eightfold path, you know, has three key parts. Three parts, right? Wisdom, morality, Concentration, three parts. On a daily basis. I know you said earlier on, uh, I said, we are talking about the, the Sotapanna practice. This is the practice, period. Whether you Sotapanna or not, this is the practice. On a daily basis. On a daily basis, you need to remind yourself of the Dhamma. The Dhamma. Re refresh, remind, reinforce the insight on the Four Noble Truths. Today, what a wonderful day. How many of you remember Four Noble Truths? <coughs> Until you came to this class, were you thinking of the Four Noble Truths? No, no thing of Dukkha at all. Dukkha never arise in your mind at all. I mean, don't have lah. No refresh, no need about remind, reinforce. Can you imagine day in, day out, Day in, day out, you remember Dukkha Arya Satya, the noble truth of Dukkha. Samudaya Dukkha Arya Satya. Craving, the, uh, the origin of Dukkha is craving. You just reflect, just remember, 
every time you get agitated, re remember, refresh. Can you do that? This is insight. This is a practice. This is part of it. The practice is three parts. Insight, morality, and concentration. You are all fixated about meditation, which is one of three. I can't do, I can't practice Dhamma because I can't do meditation. Hello, one of three. Leh. And then you break it down, it's one of eight. Leh. You break it down, it's one of ten. Leh. Can't do concentration, everything down the drain. Flush. Can you see the problem? Can you do insight, reflection? Possible? Can. Very difficult, man. That's your mind, man. And the three characteristics is a constant companion. What do I mean? You are constantly aware of how the mind keeps shifting, keeps changing. You don't know anatta, you said. I, but you don't know anitya, man. Don't do dukkha, man. You know what? Don't, don't make excuses. Huh? The point is, the Dhamma is not some airy-fairy concept that you put on the shrine and you pay respect. The Dhamma describes your mind and provides the tool to fix the mind. If you are really serious about resolving the mental problems you experience, then put some time to reminding yourself of the basics Four Noble Truth, Eight Four Paths, plus the three characteristics, they are both the basics and the pillars of the Dhamma. You get this enough. No need Patija Samupadda yet. Yet. Because it will come when the rest are obvious. Don't spend your time. I don't understand Patija Samupadda. Eh. I don't know why. Does it matter? You also don't understand Anicca Dukkanata. It is the basic, the fundamental pillars of the mind. So go for this. When I say see conditionality, what I mean is this. Huh? I'm not asking you to see Patija Samupadda. I'm saying you have craving. Do you know how that craving comes up? Because of feeling. That's all. This part you can see. Feeling. I like, I want. I don't like, I don't want. That's Patija Samupadda. Ma. But you two out twelve. You two out twelve very good already. No need to worry about the rest first. You get what I'm saying? See craving. See its correlation with feeling. See feeling. See its correlation with contact. This is all obvious. If you can see this again and again and again, every ever so often you get reminded, you will get calm. And this is a daily practice, okay? So, on a daily basis, I don't want even to tell you hourly basis, daily, only 24 hours, you just do once. <laughs> but when you're really practicing, well, you do more times, okay? More times, huh? more times, okay? So, that's one part. What's the next one? Sila. And this is what I meant when I said precepts, they are a very low bar. Don't kill. How many of us go around killing people? Then, okay, la, I stop, Lord. How many? How many? I'll confess. <coughs> None. You at most kill cockroach. <laughs> it's so bad you are kill mosquito. But you're not the ones who kill people. How many of you steal for a living, really? 
every day you go up, take one dollar. No lah, you don't do these things. So that's why I say very low bar. If those low bar you can't reach, ah, hmm, hmm, we have to talk. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So pre, it is not about the low bar. It's not about the precept. It's about low bar, dosa, and reduce moha. Low bar, craving, greed, dosa, hatred, ill will, and moha. The part about uh, do good, avoid evil, purify the mind. This is the this is the part, and it's really the small game that makes the difference. Don't scold the person. That's what makes the difference. I give meta. You don't scold people. Can already give meta. <laughs> we all talk about meta, right? The big thing, right? Right? Hello. The mic also cannot take it. <laughs> we talk about meta, meta, karuna. You know, well, big thing, right? They are Brahma Vihara. Okay, big thing. Just don't scold. Don't grumble, don't complain, don't give negative feedback. Can ready? Start like that. Whole day. Whole day. Then the low bar part, ah, the low bar part is cute. Low bar part is actually, we, we get caught up in the big thing, ah, I got money, you know, I'm not the sir who asks for money. Yeah, but you ask for an extra piece. People want you, want you take first. You know, this is just a little thing, the little thing. Queuing and people cut queue, not happy. We all want to be first. Uh, that's the little thing that counts. Can you give? Can you say it's okay? Uh, like that, like that. And a small thing, like small thing first, okay? Small thing. Uh, don't, don't, worry, don't worry about the big thing. Small thing can do big things, which just happen naturally. If you're just gunning for the big thing, the small thing didn't do well, your big thing is up, down. Up, down. Meaning, meta, boo. Karuna, <laughs> boo. Like that lah. This is what will happen. That's sad, right? Some of the Thai高跌得很痛. My new words. Vigilantly acting on reducing the akusala while developing the kusala. What do I mean? Hmm? Akusala. Right now, we are still talking about wholesome, unwholesome. There is another set of akusala kusala which is skillful, unskillful. Okay? And what is the skillful, unskillful one? Nobody would say restlessness is immoral. Who say restlessness is immoral? Nobody says that. Nobody will say perplexity is immoral, unwholesome. But it is akusala. It's unskillful. Because it will obstruct your practice. Why? When the mind is restless, it goes like this. Spin, spin, spin. It can't settle. You want to sit and meditate, you might just spin and meditate. <laughs> meditate on the round and round. Because your mind will spin, you will get agitated, and half the time you keep going, I want to crash, I want to stop, I don't want to drift, I want to stop, I don't want to drift. That's akusala. That's when the mind can't stop, it wants to drift. Get it? It is not immoral, but it will disrupt your meditation, it will affect your practice, and it will demoralize you. Especially when you are so... Because, you see, you put all your chips on 1 out of 10 on meditation, on concentration, right? Your chip all on concentration. 
Never mind about the right understanding, right thought, that's not important. Concentration. Your entire practice on that. Die lah, you cannot sit because it keeps spinning. Today, finish, my dhamma over. How demoralizing is that? You forgot you didn't tell lies, you forgot you didn't kill, you forgot you are a good person. No, you want to chop point, you chop everything. And then that one, one small part lah. Okay? Next. The whole idea here, please remember this. It's a combination of mindfulness and concentration. It is not jhana. The Buddha didn't ask you to do jhana only. The Buddha was trying to get us for the mind to get our mind to a relative quiet so that it begin to be able to see the mind, reduce the chatter, live with less mental toxins, so that seeing of the mind is sharp and clear. Okay? What is the next level? So yeah, hang on. This one first. You need the samadhi to keep going for the final step of the practice, which is the realization of Nibbana. I keep saying that. Huh? The end goal is Nibbana. The end goal is not insights. Insights will help you to continue doing the correct thing. With the correct insights, you will want to practice to a point where the mind let go on its own. Without the insights, the mind will have no incentives to practice. You get it? So it is not just about the insights. It's the insights that will help you to move on. Because moving on is the hard part. Getting the insights is the easier part of the practice. You don't believe me. I tell you it's true. Getting the insight, seeing the mind as the Buddha described it. He's already described it. What else you want? See for you. He has already described the mind. You only have to sit until your mind correlates. <laughs> Nibbana. You all. Haha. <laughs> Thank you very much. Go charge this. You only have to see the mind and correlate it to his teaching. What you need to remember is his teaching. Don't get caught up with supplementaries. That's not important. His original teachings. And all his teachings are captured in the discourses. Go for the discourses. I can't handle Majjama Nikaya, never mind. Anguttara also can. Because all the insights, all the teachings are actually captured in all the Nikayas. They all got repeat one, repeat broadcast. And once the insights become clearer to you, once you begin to understand the insights, that is when you realize, that's when you realize there is no meaning to the clinging. Okay, I will have to practice and teach the mind how to let go. You get it? When you begin to teach the mind how to let go, this is the hard part. Because you are breaking centuries, centuries of habits. That is if you believe in rebirth. 
If you don't believe in rebirth, die, finish lah. But if you believe in rebirth, then you must believe that it's centuries of bad habits. Kusala, akusala, or you name one, you probably killed in the previous life. You see what I'm saying? And because you are trying to break habits that have been built for centuries, how difficult is that? It's difficult, it's not easy. But doable. How you know? Because the Buddha said so. Ayah, like that blind faith. I got here already what blind faith talking about. You have managed to use his teaching to get you to a point where you see the mind as correlated by the Dhamma. What blind faith are you talking about? He didn't lie up to here. So do you buy at faith he's correct all the way? Surely you'll see, I will check it out. What have I to lose? And so you go on. And you begin to realize that really, really it is, it needs to do something else. Remember I said earlier, or I was talking about the conversation between Ananda Buddha, and then the conversation says, you meditate so that you can see the nature of the mind as it is. Then I went on, remember? The mind needs to develop some aversion to delights. Can you imagine? The mind must begin to realize for itself. The mind realizing for itself that delights, delighting, gratification is the problem. It brings you all the way back to the beginning of this class. When I say we spend lives looking for proxy delights. At some point, the mind must realize delighting is a problem. And then every time it delight, it realizes that that's the problem, it has to stop delighting. And when they continue to practice, it will then begin to be averse to delighting. When it becomes averse to delighting, that's the mental state he called Nibbita. I think most of us not here yet, huh? Fair to say, oh. okay. Okay, I will move on. There is another rung. This is one rung up, okay? Now, it is not easy. It is not easy to be able to see delight as not delightful. Some people ask me, then what's the meaning of life? <laughs> what is the meaning of life if there is no delight? Exactly! You don't even realize how wise the statement was. Delight is temporary. You suka, bosuka is temporary. So what's the meaning of life? If it is all about delight. Get it? When you get it, call my handphone. <laughs> anyhow, anyhow, it's I was your handphone. <laughs> anyhow, 
anyhow, okay, it is not easy to give up delight. It's not easy to give up delight. I ask you to let go of craving, cannot tahan. Want to give up delight, to see delight differently. It's not our habit to let it go. So, you have to break habits. It is not our habit to let go of delighting. Therefore, you have to deprogram again. See, this is in the sixth hand. This is, I don't know how many times I'm talking about deprogramming. You have to deprogram again. And therefore, Buddha came up with this. Anguttara Nikaya, he gave a whole list of things for the monks to reflect on. Reflect. This is reflection and perception. You keep telling yourself, what is perception? You keep teaching yourself. Teaching yourself unattractiveness of the body. One of the things we hang on to for dear life is your body. You find it attractive. Not everybody agrees with you, but it's okay. <laughs> we all think our body is attractive and not everybody agrees with us, right? But Buddha says, tell yourself it's unattractive. You tell yourself it's unattractive. You keep seeing the parts. You see, we see the skin, oh, it's so smooth. Did you see below the skin? <laughs> Once you go beneath the skin, it's a different terrain, right? And then perception of death. You keep saying to yourself, one day my turn to lie in that coffin. You may lie in the coffin many times, you forgot only. <laughs> many, many times. Sometimes I also don't have coffin. <laughs> but if you keep telling yourself, one day my turn, one day my turn. Hey, I'll take number, I'll take number. One day my turn. One day I will turn like that. Like, you keep doing Don't do it with fun. Do it seriously, you know. Perceiving it. You look at food. How many of us are think of the food before we eat the food? And most times, it's the thinking that love is lovely. The loveliest part was the thought. Not the actual biting. Biting, oh, very nice. That's it. Finish. So lot, so much, so much. Cannot finish. You see what I'm saying? The first bite is the juiciest. The first bite. Subsequent bite is a chore. <laughs> but what do you remember? You don't remember the chore. You remember the delight of the first bite. Like that, law. So instead, you have to flip around and think of the repulsiveness of food. And that is why in that sutta, the Anguttara Nikaya Sutta of the Four Nutriments, he asks you to think of food as if you're eating your only son's flesh. Yeah, see? That is why the sutta got all these kind of gory parts. You are, as he says, two a parent, a pair of parents, huh? Father, mother, crossing the desert. In the middle of the desert, they ran out of food, but they had their son. So they decided to eat the boy. And the reason why they use son is because in ancient India, they love sons. Daughter, that might eat already tomorrow, catch another one. <laughs> so anyhow, you, if you love your son or you love, you don't have to like, I must pick boy, if I don't have like, girls who can. Okay? Think of yourself eating your only child you wouldn't enjoy the food anymore. Mm, mm, hand, mm, mm, hand. <laughs> it's awful, right? Not that difficult, repulsiveness of food. Then he goes on, non-delight in the entire world. Every time your mind thinks of something, it's looking for something to delight in. He now tells you, think that there is no delight 
in the entire world. Perception of Anicca, perception of Dukkha in Anicca, perception of Anatta in Dukkha, and so on. He taught the monks, then you're all getting very <laughs> tough, man, this one really tough. Of course, this is for the Arahan. I kept telling you, Arahan, Arahan. Straight away, what <laughs> Rocky, Rocky. Yes, it is indeed very lucky. We're not quite there yet. Because when you are there, you will feel the agitation about getting out. And you will feel the agitation of leaving because you have really crossed. By, that, by this time, you have gone through Sotapana and probably the others. And you're trying to stop the habit of craving. So he gave them the methods to teach them how to decrave. Decrave. Stop that craving. Stop wanting. Stop clinging. It is all about the, po the point here is everything is mind made. The mind must think, then the mind will enjoy. So now I allow you, he taught them, mind made the opposite. In other words, in order to enjoy, you must think. You mind made the opposite. Previously, we look at food and Michelin, uh, Michelin, right? Michelin stars. Michelin star. Now, wow, star also can like that. Cannot, cannot. You know, awful, awful, my son's flesh. <laughs> like that, okay? Like that. Michelin star cooking your son's flesh also, you tell below. Get it? So you can see how you're trying to detox yourself by toxicating yourself in a different way. Doing what? Ah. Seeing. Seeing what? Rising, falling. Come and go. Come and go. Up and down. See until you in Teochew word, jiwuke. <laughs> What's that in Cantonese? Yim. Yim. See until you're tired. See until you're sian. See until you are fed up. You don't feel like seeing anymore. See until you are immune immune to the effects of nibida. Because when you first try to detox your mind, not, not that you are doing it, I'm, ass I'm assuming you're not going to do this tonight. Huh? <laughs> no, when you start to do this, you really will find meaninglessness in life. Which is why, if you read my book, refer to chapter, I think, 14, uh, you will see that monks, when they learn the 32 parts, the, the 32 parts, what was it? A lot of sameness of the 32 parts, they started killing themselves. Because Nibidda got out of hand. Nibidda got too strong. This enchantment got too strong. There are enough of this world. Like that. Maybe less drama, but along the same line. Okay? And and when, you see, this is a very important part. Huh? This happens not just at this point, it happens also at the beginning. When, when you're entering the stream, that all this happens in a slightly different way. You see, when you see a rising and fading away, rising and fading away, rising and fading away, after a while, you realize that even when you're tasting something, the taste will come and the taste will go. It doesn't last. When you 
keep registering. The taste will come and the taste will go, the taste will come and the taste will go. After a while, what happened? Taste also like that law, meaning you don't get very caught up in the taste, in tasting. If you keep staring at it, after a while, you can let go of that flavour because you got so used to the flavour, taste, being so impermanent. It comes and it goes and comes and it goes. After a while, you, you got tired. You wouldn't seek. And so letting it go become more spontaneous. Final parts. Just a few more slides. Two more advertisements, okay? In Sabha Asava Sutta, in Sabha Asava Sutta, Majjhima Nikaya number two, the Buddha used seven methods, spoke about seven methods to help the individual deal with the kind of instincts, habits, thoughts that come up. I don't think I'll go into detail. I will not go into detail. I'm just letting you know what they are. Seeing. Okay, you don't have to worry about the words on the left. I will explain the words on the right. The word seeing there, don't, don't imagine what it means. Okay, that those were the words used by the Buddha. I will just explain very quickly what are the things that he taught the monk. He taught the monk to deal with life. The kind of things that flood the person's life, flood the person's mind. The sort of things that flood people's mind. Okay? You have views. You have a lot of thoughts. You have views about yourself. So he said, don't pay too much attention to all these thoughts about yourself. Every time you think of yourself in the past, in the present, in the future, you keep thinking of yourself in time, different time zones. Those thoughts will reinforce in your mind, there is an I. So learn not to hold on to thoughts like this. Don't construct these thoughts. Then he taught the monks to pay attention only to the arising at the sense door. Meaning, you can talk next to them, all they are hearing is hearing. They hear sound, they are not paying attention to your words. They see, but they are not registering the details in front of them. He was teaching the monks to get to the point of mindfulness and sharpness of seeing that they don't pay attention to arisings externally. These are monks going for arahan training, okay? And then when they are making use of basic necessities like eating, dressing, having a roof to stay, these are basic necessities. He taught them to reflect that when you are using, don't get attached to these things. They are only for existence. Don't hold on to them. Enduring. I've killed two mice. <laughs> Hello? Hello? Oh. Oh. Okay. Okay. Uh, enduring. You know, when... This is very cute. You think about it. If there were a mosquito that somehow sneaked into this room and start buzzing around, how many of you would start feeling itchy? You don't know whether the thing actually landed on you. You just have to see a few coming in, and there is a decent chance that it landed on you, even though it didn't. It landed here. 
the mind started thinking, oh, 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 can somebody get rid of it? I don't want to panati pata it. So your mind spins. He was telling them, whatever discomfort you experience, just experience, don't think. Don't think too much. When you start thinking, that is when your mind will create stories and you get agitated. Don't get agitated. Endure. Just loon. Okay? Avoiding, avoiding the comforts in life. The moment, these are practitioner monks. Huh? I'm not asking all of you to sit on the floor tonight. The practitioner monks, he's reminding them they need to be able to guard craving, let craving go. And our habit is to lean back to comfort. So he's te he was teaching them to let all the comforts, don't go near the comforts. Let them all go. Don't go near them. Okay? Removing. Come as of us. This, uh, removing is when you have loba, dosa, moha. When there's greed arising, anger arising. He said you are not to tolerate its presence at all. Slice it, drop it. That's how you do it. Many a time when anger arises, we think, we flow with the anger, we get agitated with the anger. He's saying, don't even allow anger to stay. We usually entertain anger. We may not, or we try not to entertain greed. When your practice is pretty decent, you try not to entertain greed. But anger, sometimes you can't help it. Don't know, it went that way. He says, no, see it, you dropped it, stopped it, right there. Okay, that's for them. Huh? And finally, developing is the seven factors of enlightenment. You constantly develop seven factors of enlightenment. Okay? Last slide. This, the point here is important. Conditions in place. It is not will. Realization and all is not a will result. It is setting the correct conditions in the mind. They're all about conditions. Setting the correct five mental conditions in the mind. Collected sufficient Dhamma knowledge. Collected sufficient Dhamma knowledge. Sufficient understanding. With the sufficient condition, you will begin to understand the Dhamma. You didn't put in place the five mental conditions, but you got plenty of Dhamma knowledge. You ain't going to see the Dhamma. You, your mind can't go quiet. It's not able to see the mind for itself. When it cannot see the mind, when the mind doesn't understand its real habits, the three key characteristics, the certain habits, the insights, it will never let go. You can cry until you die. It will never let go. It will cling. It will chase after delight. It doesn't even know delight is wrong. It will just chase. And then you will... And, and so all these parts are linked. That's the reason why you are not in Ibana. Not because you're stupid, not because you're not good enough, but because you didn't understand that it's all about conditions. You need to understand all the conditions, you need to set them in place, then you leave nature to take its course. You understand? No, you don't. <laughs> if I ask you to go toilet and perch now, can't be done. Why? Condition not right. Now you get it? How come the body you understand, the mind you don't? 
ask you go eat. I go, go, go eat now. Oh, no, no, I'm full. Condition's not right. Can't be done. Can I eat? La? Uh, come out. La. One go in, but come out. Get it? It's all about conditions. It is not about you good or not. You very champion eater, right? You very champion eater. Go eat some more. Cannot, cannot. Done already. Conditions feel. It's like that. You do not set in place the correct mental conditions. You're never ever going to see the Dhamma. So everything that he said on the 8-4 plus, plus 2. Now we all got GST, okay? 8 plus 2%. Everything that he said has to be done. Has to be done and has to be done the way he said it. Perfect to the dot, the way he said it. And once you understand the mechanism, you can fix it yourself. That's how it works. You do everything right. Where is the part? Where is the part where the human will comes in? You know, all the parts where it says, you must keep the mental space clean. You must not entertain greed. If anger comes out, you must not entertain. All those parts is when you have a role to play. That's your role. The role with wisdom in this life is to make the correct choices when faced with the mental conditions. Get it? So are you wise or are you not? Depends on when you are faced with the acusala conditions, are you going to react or you loon or you let go? Those are your choices. Then you say, but I can't do it like that. Leh. Yes, lah. that's why he said gradual. <laughs> he got to tell you now, man. He says it's gradual. Okay. And now, advertisement. <laughs> and, uh, all the Dhamma talks and everything is here. Uh, last lesson, Big Hawk. Any question? Any question? Too much to digest, huh? This is the full Dhamma roadmap. Okay? No questions? Are there a few announcements then before? Uh, Bring the books in while you give your announcements. <laughs> Here. So, no more question, right? Any? Yes. Got a question. You may announce. No, no. You could finish your question first and make. It's all the way until the only the D is for. Actually, I wouldn't say they're for Biko. They're for big practitioners. They're from practitioners from day one. But at what level you start to push yourself deeper and harder, kill the akusala, kill the akusala. How hard you push yourself is the question. That's the choice that you make. But you need to do the necessary, you have to set the necessary conditions in place. Otherwise, nothing's going to work. Put the Dharma into our work as well. Then, when 
class, I make uh, good results, and my boss very happy with it, and my boss kissed the reward for me, even though I do not kiss for the rewards. So when, when I get the rewards, yes, I feel happy. I feel grateful that my work is recognized. Is it okay to feel, feel grateful after learning about Sure. <laughs> of course. Be grateful. It's a good thing. Let me let me just uh, um, this is this part was not covered in the talk. Me 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 musing aloud. I'm just mulling over the thoughts aloud, and so it kind of meander a little. But bear with me, okay? What are we trying to fix here? Tuker, right? What? It starts off with if you feel if 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 you feel the dukkha and you wonder why your mind why I'm why am I always experiencing pain? Why do I go through this pain? Okay? And then you say, I want to I want to resolve the pain. So one way of resolving it, or the human, I'm talking about human character. One, human, one way the human would do it, eh? one, one pattern of behavior, is to go and seek help from a higher power. Whatever your belief, you seek an external help to fix the pain that you're experiencing. That's one way. The second way we fix pain is we don't think about it. Lah. No, it's not fixing. Dealing, sorry, when you're dealing with pain, right? You don't think about it, just bury your head into the sand and I don't care if people are saying me, I don't care if I'm not recognized for my work, I'm not, I don't care if I'm being loved, I don't care and then you go mad eventually, but you know, it's, you don't care, you don't think about it, right? One way is to seek external help. So it doesn't matter what you, your faith is, you go to the faith, your faith, and you say, please, I've been a devout whatever, you, you fill in the blank there, I have a devout whatever. I have come here so many times to pay my respect and pray to you and blah, 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 blah. And, hey, hello, hey, do something back. <laughs> fix the fella, you know, fix the fella. Fix my problem, right? So you go out for help or you don't think about it or you, or you seek medical help or in the Buddha's point is you turn inwards and do it this way. Okay? Now, this, you understand this part, right? What I've said so far, you understand, right? Fixing a mental problem in a tactical way. So right now, I lost my boyfriend, I lost my girlfriend, I'm in so much pain, I grieve <laughs> every night, you know? And so how, so how? Then you go meditation, you understand the Dhamma, then you recall, I let him go. <laughs> Fix, okay? <laughs> It works, leh. <laughs> works, okay. So this is what I call tactical fixing, okay. But you know, if you believe, if you believe that you die and boom, spring back to life again, not not in this form, but in a new arising. If you believe that there is another arising, that arising, ah. Uh, didn't remember how to fix the problem there. Right? 
And in that arising, you may start all over again. Then you run to the same fella, and then you fall in love. And then, oh, what do you call it? That's a Chinese word. Uh. What? Uh, you know what I mean. Uh. So the old movies start again with the new songs and the new culture and the new rhythm and all. Same story, different tune. See what I'm saying? Now, think of this as a live thing. You are born, you live, you will get married, or you study. <laughs> Singapore, primary one, primary two, primary three. You study, and then the next time you come back, huh? the next time you come back, huh? the property prices even higher. <laughs> you're, you're, and then uh, you find job, uh, you graduate, what, a PhD? Uh, everybody PhD already. Very tough, very tough, right? <coughs> See the Dukkha Arya Satcha, you're thinking already Dukkha Arya Satcha, okay? And then you go to school, you get a decent job, but the machine took over your job, so you're out of a job. And stuff, huh? I was so dukkha, this life is hell of a terrible. Huh? Always out of job because the machine kept taking over. And then, and then, oh, you got sickness and then you die. Lor. <laughs> then spring again, boom, start. <laughs> this time not Singapore, this time somewhere else. Lah, huh? Somewhere else where, oh yeah, global warming, drought everywhere. Island also disappear. Yesterday I was staying in that island, now no more. <laughs> Can you see the problem? Can you see a rising is dukkha indeed? So you think you can just mess up the climate, it's okay. Oh yeah, but you're coming back there. <laughs> Buddhists above all, Buddhists above all should not be messing up the climate because you're coming back. <laughs> if you think about it, yeah? correct, correct? You might as well now, might as well now go invest in a boat. So when you come back, go retrieve your boat. Because you will need it then. Now it's cheap, next time very expensive. You see what I'm saying? It will come back again and again. So that's why the Buddha, in many suttas, he said, you have already gone and cried over so many Babies. There were a lot of nuns who went crazy when their children died. And then went to the Buddha, and eventually the Buddha said, How many times have you cried over a deceased baby? How many times? Mountains of them. And you're back again. Because why? Halama amnesia lah. Complete amnesia. Don't remember a thing. Don't come back. Huh? All these bad things happen. Oh, yeah, die. Let's start again. It's like Groundhog Day on a big scale. <laughs> right? Now, now, one day, some lives down, okay, my mind, next life, huh? one day, next life, you I'm supposed to you, enlightenment, enlightened. Huh? Then you realize, eh, really it, enough is enough. Let's fix this. And that is where you now make the big decisions when you learn to really figure out how to switch off the craving habits. Switch it off. And there's no shortcut. He tells you 10, don't go at minus one or two. There's no shortcut. <coughs> but when you don't get that, when you think it's a good thing to keep coming back, and who knows, luck of the draw, get something good, a princess. Lah. <laughs> who knows? Huh? 
You know what I'm saying? If you think luck of the draw, you're going to come back princess or prince or king. Uh. Hello, do you know there are more paupers than kings in the world? <laughs> paupers outnumbered king, one zillion to one. Eh. You see the problem? How many of you had won, strike, jackpot, first prize? Come, complete, complete. <laughs> Nobody. Uh. So what are the odds that in this room or somebody hit jackpot king? Hard, huh? Can you see that? So what are the odds? How many of you never hit jackpot ever? How many, how many? Uh, confess, confess. <laughs> what, your player? <laughs> okay, so you never hit jackpot, right? What are the odds of us hitting the powerful price? Also, maybe, oh, hard to say, hard to say. You see what I'm saying? We live under wonderful conditions. So we can be a bit cocky. La. No worries, man. Next life, we work it out. <laughs> Leave it to the next guy to figure the way out, man. <laughs> now we just enjoy the credit, you know. He got to figure out what to do with the debit. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? The problem is we had it good, we get cocky. If we have it really bad, we might not be so cocky. And now there is a method to switch off. It's not easy. But good things got come easier. Your mother teach you like that, man. <laughs> All good things come easily. Was that what, what you were told? No. You probably were taught. Good things don't come easy. Got to work for it. Like that law. Now we work good. Why? Because still can use a con. Somewhat comfortable in meditation. Can you imagine you stay in a place, no electricity? Yeah? No electricity. Exactly. Africa, yeah, yeah. You meditate also must worry about the snake coming to you. It is a lot of conditions. Okay? I also don't know where I started. I can't remember all here. <laughs> okay. So you get the idea. Huh? Now, now remember, tactical dukkha, meaning the dukkha of this life, the peace here and there, and the big dukkha, which is the arising again and again. Which one are you trying to fix? Because when you fix the tactical one and you do it damn good, really well, the big one eventually will happen. If you don't even get the tactical one right, your big price can go crazy. This life, you know you avoid the bad ones. Next life, you're sure you want Buddhism. Uh? You guarantee. Uh? So if you can't guarantee you'll come back to the Dhamma, you might lose the knowledge. And when you lose the knowledge, <sighs> like that, law. Zike ku zike. Yeah, get messier and messier, more and more confusing. Now it's great. We got the real thing. It could get worse. In fact, no, no, not, not, not it could. Buddha predicted it will get worse. It will happen. Okay? So then it's the individual's choice. Lah. What do you want to fix? The mind or the lies? Okay? Thank you. 9.30, we have to stop. Three hours. Thank you for coming. Uh, we will we will have the books. You take over. <laughs> <laughs>